0: Welcome to the Invisible Sensei Podcast, and I've got a really interesting one. I've been really lucky in the people that I've been able to interview while doing my humble little podcast, um, and I'm really lucky to have a special guest um, coming on all the way from Brunswick. Um, at, I think it's like nine o'clock at night at his, at his time. He's just finished a, a round of classes, so i better say something interesting. So... Like I say, I'm constantly amazed by the diverse nature of people who who inhabit this wildly eclectic martial arts community. They're different languages, different cultures and countries and yet I'm kind of heartened by uh, the commonalities that seem to occur on a regular basis between people who literally live on different sides of the planet. Um, one such individual is my yesterday, We spoke prior to the recording last week and it was just like I I literally wanted to continue talking for hours and I think we both could have Um, I would term him as a true seeker on the path Uh, literally starting his training at the age of six uh, his walk has taken him to the Korean martial arts of Taekwondo, Hapkido a range of other things uh, competitive fighter um, and eventually to the vehicle of Kuruwichinari as realised by the pioneer in the field Hanji Path. Patrick McCarthy, and if you don't know who Hunchy Patrick McCarthy is, get out from under the rock that you're living in. Um, so, I, you know, from my impression was a trainer of the highest order. Um, he's worked as a trainer with law enforcement and in, and in the security industry, as well as creating calming and restraint strategies for the work that he's in at the moment. Um, so I guess a fighter, a teacher, a protector, most importantly, an eternal student. So I'd like to welcome the owner and instructor of the Kobukan dojo all the way from New Brunswick, Canada, Sheehan, Jeff McDonald. Jordan Sheehan, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much for having me. No, no it's great. Thank you so much for, um, especially after round. What did you guys go over, over at class tonight?
1: Well, uh, with a little bit of cult application, and the biggest thing was getting a sweat on because it's like minus 12 here. It's oh time, God. and the, 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 yeah, that might seem like a shock to you, but uh, my dojo gentlemen turned the heat up. And everybody's geese needed to be wrung out or soaking in the end of class. Right. So with, with the hard work, with learning skills at, at the same time. Yeah. So it Was
0: a It was a good workout. Yeah, it, I mean, it, you know, to be honest with you, Shehan, if uh, you talk to anyone from New Zealand, they will tell you that it can get pretty damn cold. Luckily, we're in the midst of we're in the midst of a little bit of we're in the midst of summer, which has been very patchy, but. Uh, I want to start off, if we may, just with some basic questions and I think they're really important questions because um, it speaks to a little bit of your experience and to how it all started. So I'm going to ask you a very serious question to begin with. Um, And with that, I just um, turned, totally turned off the computer and I'm just going to, can you hear me, Sensei? (laughs) So dear listeners, I just managed to um, turn off the computer. Uh, to sensei whilst I was talking to him so I'm just punching in my pin number and there we are back I managed to turn the computer off on you, sensei sorry about that no worries (laughs) so alright first things first martial arts movies The, the martial arts movie the show experience or demonstration that started it all for you um
1: believe it or not uh I used to watch those B-rated Kung Fu movies with my grandmother <laughs> when I was a little kid, and try to reenact all the scenes. <laughs> and, you know, even right down to the, the, the dubbed English over doing the techniques. Uh, my techniques, part of your technique, oh, here's my crane, oh, I see you, i off. Like, it, it, it was phenomenal, and uh, that was the, the spark. Um, what hooked me was I watched a demonstration at a local mall, and my first teacher... Uh, gentleman named Jin Chong. He was a Korean stylist and he did a flying sidekick and he jumped over like 18 people and broke four boards. And I thought that was magic. I said, wow, I gotta learn how to do it. And I walked through a, a club door when I was a short little fat kid when I was six and here I am, it'll be 40 years this April, 40 years doing martial arts. Wow. But that was the catalyst, was that watching that, that demonstration, I'm, I said I'm hooked,
0: and here I am. Mm-hmm. So were you, did you come from a sporting background? I mean, if you get a chance to check out um, uh, Sensei's Facebook page and his website, uh, he looks anything but, he kind of looks like a little bit of a... A hockey player looks like he could take a few hits. He's kind of yeah. a fairly, shall we say, a robust man. Who, yeah, you would not not the kind of guy you'd want to meet in a dark alley. Are you talking about me? I'm talking about you. <laughs> I'm talking about you. Um.
1: Um. Wow. Uh, I never thought of myself as a as a appearance as a tough guy, but um I always thought testing myself was the the, the key to learning martial arts. I thought. I started in a, in a Korean style, which was very similar to karate, but it was Korean terms. And, and if anything, it almost looked like Tang um, Soo It was very hard. I mean, a lot of regimented front kick, turning kicks, like all that sort of thing. And sparring was hard. I didn't actually have a full set of sparring gear until like I was like a blue belt. You had a mouth guard and a cup and maybe a crappy pair of game gear, and then you went at it. Wasn't, wasn't uncommon for a lot of us to finish class with like a little bit of a bloody nose or, you know, sore ribs or a limb but we kept coming back. And I started with a group of 40 people, and I remember this, out of the 40, I was the only one that actually tested for showdown on October 28, 1988. And I, those are dates you can remember, right? When you first get your black belt, when you first walk through the doors, it was October 28, 1988, and I was so beat up from the test that I was in bed for two days. <laughs> oh
0: my God. Just resting. Oh it's one of those old school horror story uh, black belt gratings, no doubt.
1: It was ridiculous. Um, I mean, like they did all your forms, or at that time, the Pum, Se, or Hyung, what they used to call them, and you did about 10. And then uh, board breaking, they were like, okay, you had to break multiple targets of either two or three boards each, and you had to break them within three tries, move the A, B, or C type deal. Um, and you didn't know what your what your targets were. They would hold it up and say, "Okay, side kick." Oh, hold here. Okay, you get to throw a reverse punch. Oh, here you have to throw, you know, a spinning kick. You, you you didn't know. So it was very impromptu for that. And then sparring, uh, it was kind of it was brutal. They did I did three minute matches at the start, and I did fine for the first seven. <laughs> I just got beat up. And then they did two on one for the last five five. I guess matches, but they're only minute long. And I just took a beating. I think it was more, if you look at it nowadays, more like an initiation. But did I ever take a thump? And I mean, I, I did this, I think it was more to test your heart and test your conviction into, do you want to be this? Do you want to be a black belt? Because it's more to it than kicking and well, you know So what, yeah.
0: I just talking about this since so you know what I'm thinking, I'm going, did you, were you going to a, a dojang or a dojo or were you getting jumped into a gang? <laughs> I know.
1: Um, it, it, it was interesting because my, my first teacher, he was it was funny. And, and people were like what he was like? I said, well, Bruce Lee had a perm. That was him. He looked like he, looked <laughs> like he was about five foot. Yeah. And, and I've never met any Korean gentleman that had curly hair. I didn't, I didn't think it was possible, but he, he permed his hair. So there was a little bit of that type of side to him that he, he would have open demonstrations or open classes for any of the public. Mm. And I remember... Being nine years old, and there was a group of, of little biker type guys that would come in, and Master Jen would, he said, Come on in, you know, and doors open. And some of the guys thought they were going to take this little man, and he'd beat the snot out of them. And then two things would happen you'd never see them again, or they would join the club and be one of his best students, most loyal students, because mm-hmm. they took a beating. Wow. I don't know, like today, you couldn't do that today. Wow. Jeez, you get a lawsuit slapped you know, at you pretty
0: fast. Well, you've got to find it, you've got to find, um, if you, you can't hurt it, you know, Parents have thought of, of you, of Sothensei saying something that might hurt their feelings. You know, it was, it's interesting that people tend to go, um, not, you know, back in the day I was watching a TED talk and this gentleman was talking about, when children go to school, I know when I went to school and perhaps your parents were the same, if something would go wrong, they'd say, what have you done? <laughs> what have you done? And now what happens is, is that parents tend to say, What's wrong with your teacher? What's wrong with the school?
1: Absolutely. Mm. Um, I, it was
0: interesting. I was talking to
1: one of my my uh, earlier mentors. He was at his pinnacle in my approach to training. And his name is Gordon Jennings. He actually took over the club that Master Jin had and Master Jin went back to Korea. So Gordon was a younger gentleman at the time. I didn't realize how much young he was until we just started talking again. Um, he'd been away for a long time. Anyway, he said, if, he was to run a school again because he's usually a guest instructor at a friend's place every now and again when he's back in town if he was to run a school he would actually have trials and and, and say okay you want to be here let's try out and, and all he'd want was yeah and and i mean there a group of people going hey that's great and then the others going that's not fair you're 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 not letting us in everybody should have equal opportunities i said mm, you know what no um they have to be earned i mean i i uh I was, I was always fascinated when we used to compete when we were younger, and guys would be training all the time, and then somebody would show up and had been there for a month, and there's a tournament the following weekend, and he'd say, okay, I'm ready to go, and, and Gordon would go, no, you're not, you haven't put the time in, you're not going to compete, no, nah, these guys are, you're not, and if you did that today, people would have a bird, they would be so upset, because you're not being fair.
0: Mm. Like, you so, know, it's that's an interesting point too. Sensei, I mean, I, I, I mean, that's in a sense what your friend's talking about—is how it used to be. People used to have to actually, you know, show their worth to receive the yep. teachings. Very interesting. Yep. Yeah. Uh,
1: I, I find today it's—it's. It's, you, you hit it on the
0: when You said earlier about how
1: when we if we got in trouble at school, we got in trouble at home, and then now today is like you got in trouble with school parents would show up at the school and say hey what did you do to my kid what mm. why are you acting like this back he did nothing wrong or he she she did nothing wrong mm. but yet um there's a generation of of uh, i would say entitlement and they're not always there's exceptions to the rules i get that but there's a, a generation of entitlement and they they've never heard the word no um mm. and that could be the best word that someone can learn how to use and how to react to it no it's not a bad thing that's a that's a boundary you know, um, but some people have the word "notes"
0: thrown at them, and it's like they've been devastated or crushed. Mm. So. You know, well, that brings me to an, to another question, actually, Sensei. And uh, I'm always interested when I speak to people, and just in, in my personal life and, and friends of mine. Uh, you mentioned your grandmother. I grew up with my grandmother as well. It sounds like your uh, grandmother was pretty damn cool. Um, mine was too. <laughs> yeah. um, did yeah. you Did you have like, familial support? Were your parents and family, did they kind of understand your passion and, and did they support it? And where, where did they kind of start um, with
1: it? I think, to tell you the truth, overall, not really. I mean, they would drive me to class or, you know, bring me to the, the club to go train. And after a while, it was like, i would take my bike. You would get an older, you would do it yourself. But uh, I'd go to tournaments. And they're like, how'd do you do Oh, I you know, get second place or I get first place or whatever. Like, oh, okay, good for you. Um, it, and, then, and then when I wanted to open up my own school and, and run that uh, professionally, uh, I, I, my parents were boomers. They're baby boomers. So you know, they would, they would get a job and, and work 40 years or something that they didn't like, but they had a job. You're supposed to do that. They would never chase their dream or chase their, you know, everybody has something that they want to go for. That generation didn't really do it. Um, They were very fortunate to be able to, uh, you know, right after the war, baby boomers, kids, right, they would be right out of high school, get a really good job without having further education or any experience because there's tons of that stuff. But now they don't have that. People have to go to school for, you know, numbers, of years and then try to get a job or get lucky enough to fall into a profession that what's their calling. For me, my calling is martial arts. Um, you know, did I ever get rich out? it? Yeah, but do I feel fulfilled? Absolutely. Um, I didn't think, I didn't get it till later. Uh, so good for you, right on. And I'm like, you know what? That's that's hard. I mean, people don't see martial arts as, as they see it as a sport, which it is. isn't. That's one aspect of it. There's a small piece of that pie that makes it up, right? It could be an industry. It could be a sport. Uh, it could be a form of self-defense, moving meditation, uh, self-betterment. It's just one little slice. So, you know, when you're younger, an athletic career is great, but when, when you're older, it's not so much. So when people focus on, oh, that's just a sport. I said hockey's a sport. Football's a sport. Rugby's a sport. It's not the same. Mm-hmm. It's it's totally not the there's there's different levels to martial art training doesn't matter what style it's kung fu karate jiu-jitsu uh, a, a good teacher should understand that and should be able to pass that on to to the students and and they kind of get it with uh, the japanese arts or particular with uh the tradition of karate would be you know the, the shuhari like to learn from tradition to break from tradition only to transcend tradition uh you know the physical the philosophical and and the byproduct as you get older is spiritual
0: and it has nothing to do with religion it has nothing to do with that uh, has... I'm, gonna, I'm gonna stop you there uh I'm gonna stop you there, Shihana. um I got into this into martial arts because I thought there was like I mean people talk about you know being a professional basketballer professional footballer something like that I I'm still waiting for the uh, trillion dollar check I I I was sure <laughs> I was damn sure I was, I was gonna be rich I mean are you telling me you haven't received a five million dollar bonus this year yeah. <laughs> Jeez,
1: I remember opening up a club and doing a brand school and have had two students show up for like two months. And, and one thing I've learned is that I am not a business person. I don't do marketing very well at all. Uh, most of my successes have been through failure, like completely bombing, you know. Um, and, and many attempts and then I ask questions to people who actually you're good at, right? Like you start researching, you're reading, but no, 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 no. Uh, I'm, 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 you know, a martial artist. Uh, first, before I'm a business
0: person, I'm terrible at it, I'm not gonna lie to <laughs> no, you. it's, it's, it's um, one of those things I think that people um, who do it professionally, it's, it's kind of, I guess people walk a, a, a tightrope at times. One of the things I want to go back to, just on that talking about clubs and so on, uh, Sensei, is that fact that you didn't just do Taekwondo and Hup, either. you got to what I would consider personally quite high grades. You weren't a novice. Um, you really dedicated some serious time to get some really high grades. Um, yeah. When did you, yeah. When did you, Or because I know you went through a, competitive, you, a, a strong competitive background and full yes. contact and all the rest of that. When did martial art go from being a sport to a, a into the combative and then into a lifestyle for you?
1: Um, I think when I started transitioning, like I, 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 I loved the Taekwondo. It was, was pretty good. I mean, I started to get disheartened with the, the sporting aspect of it. And, you know, you try to defend yourself. And sometimes you all just throw a spinner kick or all... Or I'll, I'll just do this. And I'm like, yeah, that doesn't work. So I got into Hapkido with the joint manipulations, take, you know, that sort of stuff and you know, how to defend against holds and different things. And then my big eye opener, uh, I even taught a lot of kickboxing. That was my main competitive stuff. Um, my main opener was um, we started playing around with grappling, and it was in 1993 when the first UFC came out. And I remember watching this going, what the hell was that? Mm. Um, I had no idea about any stuff, And I, I understood a little bit of ground stuff, but not like that. Mm. Not the aggressive, not the, you know, someone's going to take you to the ground and beat the snot out of you or pin you against the wall and beat the snot out of you. So if you're doing mm. lunge punches and, and, you know, get them by the eyes and all this, it doesn't work. So I, I started searching and I started asking questions. Um, and it happened probably mid-90s. I would say I picked up a copy of, uh, Henchy, my teacher's, Henshi McCarthy's book, Bichy, one of his editions, and a lot of good came from it, but I also got a lot of trouble. Um, I, I realized that there's more to it than kicking and punching. Watch No, I'm stopping you.
0: You, you. you, you, no, I didn't put you, I, I didn't, I didn't get you on this podcast to speak heresy you know. <laughs> um... I,
1: I, I think, yeah, in, in 1996, yeah, so I picked up a copy of that book and I started asking the right questions for the wrong people, and I got, you know, a lot of, from way, I got a lot of shit, so I started getting ostracized, like, you you, know, you can't do this, you can't train with that, you can't do that, it was a a whole series, of you don't ask, you just do, and that, that, that permeates in traditional Japanese martial arts, traditional Korean martial arts, it was a, a Do and don't ask. So, I was kind of on my own. I I broke away and I was independent for a while. Uh, I said, "The hell with it." I got associated with an organization that allowed me to have the freedom that I wanted to, Um, and I really started to do a lot more reading, more understanding the philosophical aspect of it. You know, the, the moral guidelines of what you know you should be held to a higher standard than the average person um you know because you, you can literally hurt somebody and if you don't have that temperament that balance um you can be in a in a world that's not i guess in a world that's not good for you because uh that balance you have to have that equilibrium that balances everything um you know your, your physical aspect starts to die out your mental aspect should be pretty good and then you know, you you can't do a workout with a nine-year-old person, let alone talk about philosophy to somebody who's fifteen. There, there's there's no balance. So there's there's different levels to it, and they all kind of merge to a, an endpoint. But yeah, uh, it was in the mid '90s where I started to realize there's more to it than kicking and punching. Mm.
0: Yeah, it's a. Uh, I think uh, for me, I I there was a number of um, bookshops that I used to haunt because I um, had a, an excellent. Um, well, fall for new zealand anyway an excellent range of martial arts magazines the classic black people, so oh yes inside kung fu and all those ones um but also they had this um, these books by uh um, patrick mccarthy um and yep. i i had a bit of a uh, a look through and was quite impressed and, and i know quite a few people in new zealand and australia have had that experience now i want to ask you something too on that while we're speaking about trainers Sure. A personal reflection, perhaps not not mentioning the names, places and times can be changed to protect the the identities of the innocent. Um, I guess a training experience that was the, that's that's how I wanna be. And perhaps a training experience or maybe not a specific experience, but something a training experience that showed you where you wanted to go and how you wanted to be as instructor. And mm-hmm. perhaps an experience of what you didn't want to be and who you didn't want to be as an instructor martial artist.
1: Ah. so oh. Excuse me. Um, one of my mentors from actually, he was a jiu jitsu man, the traditional Japanese jiu jitsu man named uh, uh, Wayne Thibodeau. Um, he had gone off and done his own thing because of whatever political affiliation, but he, I, I contacted him and he was a mentor to me uh, about, he said, develop yourself, develop your your your, your training, kicking punches is one thing he said, but develop yourself and you know what's right and you know what's wrong and, and always stand up for what's right, and because if you don't, it's not good. Mm-hmm. So um, he was influential on me to start learning some stuff on the ground, um, I invited, uh, different martial artists that come train at my club. They had a very open door policy. And the biggest eye opener for me was a gentleman who trained under, uh, I think it was Jean-Jacques Machado. And he was just a blue belt. And he tied me up into a knot so friggin fast when we were doing some groundwork. And I went, Oh my God, I need to expand this. I need to know more. I need to be, be first a student before I can be a teacher. So I started cross training in different arts to better my art. Um, and, and you know that that led me to um to koro Chinati, down that that path but wow um that that was a personal journey itself and still it's still a personal journey and i just happen to have good people that meet me along the path right um what i didn't want to do was this is fall into that commercialism trap where you know you're, you're, you're holding karate parties and uh, the flavor of the month is, um, t- 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 you, know, you know, like, they, and I'm not a babysitting service and, you know, somebody would be like, okay, you had like the, uh, you know, the red, white and blue geese or the, you know, red geese, all the fancy different colors and, and uh, all, all the swag that they had to do it and, and, or, or from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles when they came out in the 90s, the original stuff. Oh my God,
0: terrible. They um, have
1: parents bringing their kids. Again, can we be- say I'm going
0: to stop that? You. <laughs> you know, like you, you, you insult me, you insult Cardiff, you insult my country, you insult your country, but I will not, I will not stand by while you this Rafael, Donatello, Leonardo, and whatever the other one was named. You know Michael Angelo. Uh, uh, um, yeah. So look, you I can continue. You can continue, but you're on pretty, pretty nice, Okay, please. I pray. <laughs> I, pray to, I pray to continue. You were telling me a student born and wanting, obviously wanted to become Ninja Turtle. Oh my word. Yeah. And in
1: when you or that and Power Rangers. Oh my God. When Power Rangers came out. <laughs> oh, you, your your classes would grow, but they would disappear when they realized that. Nah, you're not going to wear the uniform. You're not doing cartwheels and backflips. No, I'm not going to put a sword in your hands. No, I'm not going to give you a set of size so you can poke somebody in the eye. It's not going to happen. <laughs> and the parents, were, you know, they didn't say, stick with it for six months, kids. Stay stay here and see what happens. No, they just, the kid tried a month and then they took him out.
0: Right. So that child, yeah. No, I'm sorry, Sensei. Um, what's no. So guys, just so you realize... Um Brunswick is New Zealand is trying to imagine New Zealand is uh the farthest point from the sun. And that's kind of <laughs> where Brunswick Brunswick is from how it's sitting. So um just on that, you know, it's interesting to me when there's a new movie come out. I mean for me I, I and my my taste will change. We'll get to that sort of at a later point. I'm gonna get shoot some Chris some yeah. martial arts media questions that you sent. so but um yeah. Outside, so you went through, you were a searcher from day one. I mean, getting, you know, putting yourself in positions where you could be tested. Um, yeah. And it's it's interesting to me who outside of martial arts was an influence or was a mentor. I know for me, like I spoke about my grandmother, she was hugely supportive at a time when people thought that um, there was something wrong with me because I, I would rather get in canvas pajamas and wrestle with people than play rugby. <laughs> um what who if you think of, about it who was a mentor i mean who are mentors for you both within and, and outside of the dojo um hmm. outside the dojo I, uh I, I, well aside from me aside from the huge uh, yes, that i've been absolutely yes, absolutely the, absolutely, the, the I, two I, conversations I, that we've had you know had a huge effect <laughs> <laughs> um
1: uh, it, it's weird uh it's my grandmother's support, but she—I she, was just a kid, right? So she thought that was fascinating to do that. And, um, I didn't get the support from my parents much like you. Uh, there was no encouragement. There was like, oh, he won a bunch of trophies. Okay, good. Huh. And it, it's weird. They they talk proudly of me about me to others, but never talk to me about it. Um, and and I never knew. I was always trying to uh, make them happy, right? And I didn't realize that's not how it was about. Mm. Um, my mentors for, for outside of it, I would say uh, she's, I I, I can also say the only person that who's really affected me, who's really encouraged me to not just be uh, a better martial artist is a better person is my wife. Um, she, she's an amazing person and the support that I get from her is simply amazing. Um, and she, she still teases me about how you get that. Martial arts stuff. She'll come down and she'll hit some pads and class every now and again, but she she jokingly says, "Oh, we're a cult like that," and she teases with it.
0: Yeah, but at least um, at least she's the wife of the cult leader. Yes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you imagine eh? Um
1: And she she's very scientific. So she when she first started training with me, she didn't like how I taught and didn't like how I was teaching and what I was teaching. This is before I had switched to Kodutsanali, and um, she's a she's a scientist. So excuse me things have to be very analytical problem solving person so you know things have to be substantiated with fact, data not just opinion or you do this and don't ask questions and it was until later that she really started to like how what i was teaching and how i taught because i bettered myself through it but yeah she'd be the person that why does it work this way i'm like shut up don't ask mm-hmm. <laughs> just do <laughs> now it's like okay cool i encourage that <laughs> questioning um and and, like, tonight, I had one of my students, he goes, Sensei, I'm sorry, but i got to ask a question. I said, no problem. I'm, I'm big on the questions, and, and, and if I can answer it, that's great. And if I can't, I'll, I will not be asked them and tell them say, you know what, I don't know. Let's find out together. Um, and, and that is very not traditional martial art. Like I think critical thinking is, is paramount to what we do. There should be no secrets other than just hard work and, and, and results mm. from putting in the time and the effort and asking the questions and trying to figure things out, not the – Oh, you do this and it will just reveal itself to you. And I have, I have martial art buddies that still train like that. Mm. Mm. They said content applications will reveal themselves when you need it.
0: Oh, I am not kidding. Mm. That wow. sort of, yeah. Oh, they say that to students. Pardon me? They say, they say that to students when they're out They st- Yeah, that
1: yeah, right. to huh. students. My students, if they ever went to another club, which I encourage them to do, uh, and one student come back and said, Sensei, I've never done that many front kicks in my life. I said, well, what am I going to do? He said, all we did was front kick with the right leg, front kick with the left, front kick with the front foot, then the back leg, then the right leg, and the left. And, and he said, you probably did have about 500 front kicks. I said, is that, what else did you do? That was it. I went, oh boy. Um, I bet your front kick's better, but when you do 500 front kicks on the left and right leg, I guarantee you, your 500 one is no better than your... It's actually probably worse right. than your first 10. Because... I
0: mean, that's not, that's not learning. That's just work it. Mm. Yeah, it, it's, a, it's um, interesting. I mean, for me, I did a podcast a while back about talking about how I like to cross-train, I mean, really to continue to do this martial art that I love so much and that you yeah. clearly have a huge passion for. Um, I think it, it, sometimes I've seen being to gradings where it, you have to be a, a CrossFit master to survive them and i'm going you know i understand pressure testing and and the spirit and all the rest of that but i think at certain levels Mm. i'm just wondering you know like how much of their how much of people's karate are we actually seeing when they can't even stand up when they're vomiting on the sidelines and they can't even make a fist and show us what they can do
1: yeah like i guess some of those old school and gut era, you know, you you have to do 500 this way, 500 that way. Like I said, um, that's that's how they're gonna crush somebody or conform them. I don't think it's gonna make them grow. Um, the ones that grow from the experiences realize hey, there's more to it. I'm gonna start looking elsewhere. I mean, I can't do 500 front kicks with right and left leg six days a week. And I and I and I'm I'm just exaggerating that. But if you train like that, you're gonna have, uh, you know training for 30 years you're going to have 30 years experience or 20 29 years experience of one year's of training exactly. and that, exactly. that that that's not martial art training that's you stagnated you you're not going to grow from that you're it doesn't do you any good mm-hmm. um but you have to ask those questions in order to grow um and if you don't you'll never know if you don't know you don't know that's just it and i think it comes down to the instructors that should have that encouragement but there's a lot of them that say you, you can't train with someone so you can't go work out there and if you work out with somebody else and do this you're gonna get kicked out yeah. and people are afraid of that and, and and i was like what you know when i was a teenager i was like worried about it you know when you're a grown ass man it's like who the hell are you telling me what to do mm. like I, I you can make decisions for yourself and and it, it, it i was always one if i don't want to ask myself what if well i should have done this i could have done that let's go ahead and do it mm. and Ah, uh, some of that might be impulse, <laughs> impulsivity, <laughs> yeah. but you, you go ahead and do it, and then if you, if you get shit, they are like, "Well, why am I getting in trouble? What did I do wrong?" Mm. Well, you shouldn't be training. Why? Because you say so, and they're from a different club. Please, mm. I have an open door policy for any style, any art, come in and train. Be it BJJ, Kung Fu, Taekwondo, it doesn't matter. It's about the training, not the. Political affiliation and what separates us, or supposedly separates, us actually brings us closer together, um, more than apart. Right? So, different paths up the mountain when it comes to martial art training. I think uh, okay. it's horrible that that still happens.
0: I, I, I completely agree. It's it's a, a strange world that we occupy that. How strange is it that you yeah, have the most almost any dojo in the world in any country that talks about, you know, humility and um, openness and discipline and respect. And yet I think it was Hanji McCarthy who actually said karate is plagued by the very things it's supposed to get rid of. It it permeates it. Uh, it does. Uh, well look look in Japan alone. You know,
1: ISKF, JKA, JKF, all these different variations and, and um and it happens anything and in the US oh my god there's more in Canada too there's you know made up martial arts that they've cross trained this cross trained that and then the you know 25 year old 10th Dan
0: and that's that's like that's a bit much yeah 25 25, I mean I don't give 10th Dan's out until I mean they've got to be at least 36 26 (laughs) 27 I mean it's it's ridiculous
1: oh yeah so I, and I get what they, they might be doing with something, but I think those individuals are delusional. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and there's a, a thing called the, the Dunn and Kruger effect. Um, and you actually look at it, it's an actual study, done that shows um, you actually have to be smart at something or good at something to know that you're good at it. Um, whereas the Dun and Kruger effect, I'll sum it up, basically you're too stupid to know you're stupid. So um, it, it's interesting with somebody, if they, have a a style of karate and another style of karate one's real crappy and the other one's really good i mean like technique wise and they go you ask the person who suffers from the Dunning kruger effect you said which one's the good the good one he goes boys like you know they're they're both pretty good because he doesn't know and i say he could be that person doesn't know um which it's phenomenal It, it it blows my mind they're almost delusional thinking that, yeah, of course we do that. We're, we're, you know, I do like that. And you look at it and you go, oh my God. And it doesn't just plague martial arts. It plagues different sports, businesses, stuff like that. And, and look it up. Don and Kruger effect. It's a fascinating uh, phenomenon
0: for, for people who suffer from it. Yeah, and it's Kruger that, that effect. term, this is mm-hmm. bliss. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, um, it is. That's a really good. You're too stupid to know you're stupid. You know, if we get all zen about it, some people say, well, that, that would be enlightenment. But actually, no, it's just being stupid. It's just, I mean, some people are really good at being stupid. I mean, I've, I've worked hard at it, you know, like I've I've worked hard at it. Um, so (laughs) kind of an expert on the subject. Um, just, uh, talk to my wife. Um, oh yeah, oh yeah. (laughs) Now I want to ask you, here's another couple of questions for you since I'm going to, I'm going to chuck them at you. Sure. In terms of your personal training and kind of the, the length and breadth of as I've, only as I've observed and not experienced, there's a huge range of, of options. I mean, there's a, a beautiful uh, emphasis on kobudo and karate and tegumi and two men drills and kata yes. and analysis. For you, for you and your training, what are you working on right now? What Where are you at? What's the something that you're working on in your personal training?
1: Um
0: it's interesting uh,
1: personal training uh, love kata um, not enough time in the day to to do it all the time uh, so I'll, I'll I'll go and do the extra bit um and, and I'm guilty of not doing enough kata with my students sometimes because we're always working on right. two per <laughs> say so, yeah so um. You know and, and it's interesting because i come from a time learning forms or kato you were taught that first and if you, you learn the step sparring or whatever it was at the time it didn't match you didn't you just kind of did it whereas now uh my students who are like koduchinari students they didn't learn they weren't training some results they just they're like from my belt up um they they're learning application based tegamy all the different assets groundwork uh clinch work uh, striking pads sparring um, you know, application based stuff. And when they do their kata, um, they start to do it with a little more focus behind it. Um, I remember Hanty telling me a story about his teacher, Roshi Sensei, who uh, he said, You know, you can tell the difference between two excellent black belts, and one knows his applications really well, even though the kata is the same um it won't look the same there's something it might be a slight bit of movement might be uh, the, the confidence i don't know the breathing The the, the stance there might be something that slightly stands out and and that is uh, the untrained eye or the untrained martial arts wouldn't be able to pick that out where somebody would be going whoa even though they're like almost the same they're not you give them the same form it's not the same um i was talking about that with my students tonight uh so and i have a colleague that comes from a different club he's a goju He's a stylist he's a sixth dam. he comes and trains with me um he uh, he's a shihan level he's uh excellent he's been a friend of mine for quite a few years and he comes in he's and he's coming in for the workout and to train learn some different things and he's uh an uh, interesting guy And he goes you know you're right i said i've seen my teacher do you know kata xyz and then another person do kata xyz and it didn't look the same even though it was the same movement same stuff just didn't look the same Mm. um back to my personal development uh (laughs) geez i mean just trying to stay in better shape than my students um (laughs) you know so you're doing the gym you're doing a little extra I, i i'm blessed to be able to work out with my students i don't have a huge student base um uh, so if there's an odd man out on the floor, it's like okay, since he's in the rotation with you guys, so I, I, I look forward to those nights when uh, we're doing line drills, and it's like ah, okay, there's only seven of you. Like, okay, since he's in the floor, so we even up and we we go ahead and do our stuff, um, or or we team up and we do different pairs, right? So we'll do scenario-based training where the because we're all different sizes and shapes and, and, and abilities. And we'll always have one person in the center, and then we'll, whatever our, our application or, or bunkai that we're working on, um, uh, we, we do the attack, the visual act of physical violence, based on, mm-hmm. you know, common 36 attacks. And then you'd have uh, 72 variations on those, so for a total of 108, but um, you have the visual the act, then you have what is mutual confrontation you know you say okay go we're gonna fight we're gonna fight and you don't even have to speak it it's just kind of like a nod they're gonna go and then what you have is the augmented the the, oh shit (laughs) this -hmm. is where it's dirty your technique didn't work and your defense didn't work now you're in the dirt of it you're grabbing each other by the hair you're clinching, and and it's interesting because i have one of my students he's he's six foot seven 290 pounds 285 pounds so what i do with him would not be the same if I did somebody working with me who was 5'10". Well, do, do you want to uh, see,
0: say from the sounds of him, it sounds like you need to feed him some bananas and just speak very nicely <laughs> to him. And the guy sounds like a monster.
1: <laughs> and you know what the thing is? He works for IBM. The man is uh, a computer genius. Oh my gosh. Like, he's he's not he's smart and he's big. Jesus, like, th- that's unheard of. Um, mm. A giant of a guy but very nice and willing know. he's the gentleman who always asks questions because he said look i'll just take this person and in time and i said sure i said absolutely but until that one time it doesn't work then what do you do <laughs>
0: <laughs> so so in other words he's sensei's favorite oh he's sensei's favorite uke. Okay.
1: um it, it i actually <laughs> when i when i host my teacher sensei him uh Hanson mccarthy <laughs> it's a yearly event that we have And my student will be there, and I remember Roman's name, uh, my student, first time he met him, and he was uh, a yellow belt. Just, I think he was like an 8-Q. And he looked up, and and I I was going to grade him, and he didn't know. And then, basically, we were doing some grappling and and, and line drills and taking me stuff, and and, uh, Sensei McCarthy goes up to him, and he goes, hey, so you're going to test? And he goes, huh? And then he goes, (laughs) Who am I testing with? And he points to me because I was on the floor. And he goes, and at Roman's eyes goes, he goes, oh shit, like this. And then we went at it, and I awarded him his. his he, he earned it very well. His orange belt. He did very, very well that day. But he was like, oh no, like could you put somebody else with me?
0: But it, it didn't happen. Yeah, so it's, I it's think a strange thing to say. I mean, I'm looking. I mean, you know, like uh, guys, when you see this on the on my Facebook page. You'll see that I've got this wonderful uh, photo of uh, Sensei with two obviously happy young children that he trained. So it was um, a children's student, but I mean, if, as I look at him now, if you guys can't see him obviously because it's a because it's a listening thing, not a seeing thing. Yeah, I don't know how happy I'd be about being paired up with him either. I could, I totally feel for Roman. I totally feel for him. <laughs> so, it,
1: yeah, Roman's a big man and. They'll test it, and, and that's what we do here. It's like, okay, we're complying at the start, and then we and that's the beauty of it. We actively add resistance, and, and then you'll find out very quickly if your technique, your speed, your ability, if it's going to work. I mean, just with a little resistance, and you start gradually putting that into it, and you're going to find out, like anything, uh, any confrontation, it's like the... The dog in the fight and fighting the dog and the circumstance that it, it it relies on. It, it, you're going to find out if, Jesus, I don't like getting punched in the nose or, hey, that wasn't so bad. I can mm. do this. Mm. Um, part of it is that. And and, and all I want is effort when we're teaching and training with these guys. So they put the effort. And I'm there to keep an eye on things so they don't go south or anything like that. And everybody works hard and everybody learns. That's the biggest thing. They're learning. And I learned from that.
0: It's um, it's just on on that two cents. So I'm just keen to, and, and we we're, we're um, we're we We've got about fifteen minutes before we we have to knock it on the head. Uh, yes, sir. And uh, we should call this part one because I'm definitely going to get you back to talk some more if you can find the time. Um, I'm aware of what your background is in terms of working with law enforcement as a trainer. Um, your uh, current employee. Um, working with working at a hospital. Um, yes. And um, I guess I would I would term the work that you're doing about the care and protection of others, staff yes. and, and uh, clients alike. In terms of taking all this training that you've had for I mean decades and decades of training. Um, I'm not that old. Well, well, I mean you know 760. You know maybe maybe <laughs> maybe your species isn't that old, but for mine is is very real. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> couldn't resist it couldn't resist it um, what are you taking into that into this into this everyday I mean you working with people in quite high pressure situations at times what are you yes. bringing what are you bringing out of the door, door into those attitude wise de-escalation wise into those situations uh, two,
1: two things can unfold um, if we're dealing with somebody who is uh, on on older state of mind due to drugs um there's a, a depending on what they're on um the potential to be very volatile is extreme so uh, you know like anything uh crystal meth seems to be the, the one that makes people very aggressive very angry uh almost unhuman like when they are in a state of aggression um and, and i'm in a, in a situation where we're not allowed to uh <laughs> I mean, if someone attacked me on the street, I'm going to pop them. I mean, it's that, but I'm being in a situation where I have to worry about uh, patients and staff around this individual that is not contained. And then it's a team factor. Um, I usually will go in as as a team lead and whatever initiation we're going to do with it, like initiate contact is based on control. Um, For me, it's basically turning any, any limb into a lever, class one, two or three, <laughs> lots of pressure um, and, and staying nice and tight and, and subduing the individual and then getting the care that they need, um, which is a totally different thing from self-defense. You're actually trying to be preemptive to control. them. Um, if the individual is just upset about something, compassion is a big thing. It, you, you, you actively listen to them and they want to talk, talk. I'd rather talk to somebody and and let them know that there's an ear for them to, to talk to. And if it takes thirty minutes to calm the person down, without any physical aggression or any physical confrontation, that is the way to do it. Um, and I would always think, Jesus, what if I was in their shoes? Mm-hmm. What would I want happen to happen to to me? What you know, I want somebody to listen to me. So therefore, you know, giving that little bit of help to somebody by listening to them will go a long way because they're in a state that no one's listened to them they're in a state that things have gone wrong and and they don't want to go It could be mental health issues it, it, it could be a number of things they could be upset that a, a family member passed away and they don't know how to handle it and and you know it, it seems to express itself physically or whatever but we're there to help um for me it's just to control the individual either through verbal speech uh body language be very calm you know don't stand in and imposing in front of them but make sure you're in a position that if something goes south very quickly, that you have control of it, sure. not just, yeah, that sort of thing. But that's my take from it. I mean, I, I'm going in with limited tools. You know, you can't strike, you can't do this, you can't do that. So I have to make sure that the tools that I have, um, I, I, I'll use them to the best of my ability and the parameters that
0: I'm given. Mm. Is that, is that kind of answered a little no, bit? that's brilliant. <laughs> I mean, I think it's, it's, it is interesting to me having worked in that space um, myself, I can certainly appreciate what you're saying, especially with regards to, um, I guess, the parameters of what you're able to do safely. And I love how you put about, you know, taking care of um, staff, um, of the patient, client, and um, the individual. I really like that. But, you know, it it blows my mind that people who are working in that that environment, what do they do if they don't have that level of training? I mean, doing a two-day, a three-day course and getting... And i uh, you can't see me, but I'm doing the revit is um, yep. certified. What do you do? I mean, you know, you've had, in you know, like I say, most—you know, three quarters of your life doing martial arts, and yes. you have to be quite choosy with what you can and can't do. What do you do if you've had yep. no training other than this, the three-day course, and you are working with a compliant, compliant partner? I mean, gosh, it's terrifying to me.
1: It, it is.
0: Um... I, th- I think there's
1: a there's a gap in that. Um, actually, I was actually approached by the, the head of uh, uh, security for uh, Horizon MB, which is the like the, the I guess the health network that they, they have for us, the more of employed for. So the head of security actually approached me to help develop more programs and more training for excuse me for the staff themselves that are the first responders like the code whites, which is a, a, a violent patients or violent situation um to help further develop it but also to uh continue in education so my thing was to okay we're meeting every couple weeks and going through scenarios um i he's my employers actually actually got me to go through videos and say how is this handled and i I see stuff and i critique it and i'm like okay those are teachable moments so anytime an event happens um i wanted to get that implemented so a standard operating procedure would be okay this happened, okay, we did our reports. Let's go back and reenact the same situation when we can. We all kind of have a, a time to do it, an area to do it. And then, okay, this is what happened. What could we have done to make it better? Or, hey, look, we did really good. We did what we could do, what we're doing. And th- there's a big gap in that. When someone takes a, a, a course that's only two days and, and they're certified, mm-hmm. unless they continue to do it, mm-hmm. you, you're, um, pardon me, but you're bullshitting yourself. It's like someone taking a self-defense course and they take a two-hour course. And they're ready to defend themselves. No, you're not. Yeah. you don't up to get yourself hurt. Um, so it's no different with that type of training. It should be constant and never-ending, constantly upgrading methods and, and, and applications to, to to be better. Because you're in a situation that if your partner beside you doesn't know what they're doing and you know what you're doing, it, it, it's not a one-on-one scenario. We're working as a team to, to control people that are behind them. So and if the person beside me doesn't know what they're doing or they don't have the confidence or they have lack the ability, God, I'm I'm terrified of that ever happening. So I'm always working with the guys off the side I'm like, hey, guys, try this. Mm. So in, the, in our, the courses haven't been implemented yet, but I've been approached to help develop them. So I hopefully uh, I'll get on the bandwagon with them to, to help develop it um, sooner than later. Well, what, but you're, you hit it right on the mark.
0: Well, Peter, I mean, honestly, I mean, if you're going to develop something the world, better than someone who is an an actual trained martial artist, um, yeah, I, I want to ask you a couple of things if I may. Since, I just um, we're coming, we we we're coming to the end of our of our a lot of time. Um, <laughs> so I just want to ask you a couple of things if I may. First, sure. Uh, let's say, mm, okay, John Jones or Conor McGregor. Conor McGregor. Why?
1: His fighting style is cells based on movement. Um, and his ability to read components and his ability to change right on the fly. Um, and I mean, he just, he moves so differently than anybody in his late class and his ability. and he, He's very adaptable. Um, not to say that John Jones isn't. No, not saying that at all. Um, I, McGregor, there's something about his movement. And his ability
0: that
1: how
0: he reads people is ridiculous. Mm. Mm. Okay. Um, gosh. Okay. I'm gonna ask you, Jiro Kano or Elio Gracie? you see the look on his face, guys. You see the look on his face, guys. <laughs> <laughs> um, hmm. oh, That's an unfair I'm one. Scared. I acknowledge that, but I'm just interested in your response, instead. Eh? <laughs>
1: Yeah, I think Jigitokano, um, you put it on the map. Um, and a lot of the early judo, probably, in my opinion, from, from what research looked a lot like Brazilian jiu-jitsu, mm. because it comes from that. Um, well, it's only been in the last few decades that judos took on a more, uh, geez, I'm going to toss you in that tit. And you notice that they're trying to change it back to mm. a little bit more groundwork, mm. but yeah, I, I would go with Diego O'Connell. Yeah. Okay.
0: Interesting. Okay. Whew. Okay. Steven Seagal or Jean-Claude Vandal? <laughs> <laughs> Jesus.
1: <laughs> Is there a third option? Not raw. <laughs> Okay. Uh, I, I think that Jean-Claude Van Damme, after he's gone out of rehab, has realized that <laughs> Dana's change is pretty good. Mm. Um, I think they should probably have a GoFundMe page for uh, Steven Seagal to get, like, uh, food therapy. Um, oh. <laughs> I've never seen... He, he looks like he's going to blow up. Mm. Uh, at least at least Jean-Claude Van Damme is... is he doesn't take himself seriously anymore, mm. which is... I think that's... That's great, and he stays in shape. I mean, he's, he's stepped step at it. I mean, I, I, you know, him coming from a Shotokan based background and the sport competitive stuff, I mean, he's an alpha athlete. Like, look at him now; he's in his fifties and still he's in phenomenal shape. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I I'd go
0: down for Benia, but I mean, if we had a third choice. <laughs> okay, okay. Well, no, you don't, in this a scenario. And that was entertaining, which was which is, it was it was cool cool to see the way that you navigated that. All right. Okay. <laughs> CrossFit or Olympic lifts? Oh, I would go with Olympic lifting
1: because CrossFitters and I have had experience with CrossFitters. First thing about CrossFit, all you do is talk about CrossFit. <laughs> um, I, I'm I, I'm also a personal trainer and and I I see with Olympic lifting, there's technique for skill, but there's not 500 repetitions of this stuff and. You, I've seen a lot of injuries that happen in CrossFit. Not to say that, that people can't do it. Mm-mm. I've seen deplorable technique because you're exhausted. You only can push your body so far and then accidents happen. Mm. Um, I think the mentality is um You know, the sports conditioning aspect of it. CrossFit, now I, I'd go Olympic lifting before I do CrossFit. Or CrossFit with like limited repetitions because you know, what are you going to do with 500 squats? What are you going to do? Like, I, I threw this weight and I carried it you know, a mile and a half. I'm
0: like, at the end of the day, <laughs> yeah, really? Well, apparently, yeah. What, apparently what you do is you never shut up about it. <laughs> yeah. Well,
1: yeah, yeah. And, and i see the first thing about CrossFit, the time about CrossFit. And and they are borderline, like, they, they have their family, but you think martial artists have a cult thing going on. Those CrossFitters, big-time cult. <laughs> big-time cult.
0: Uh, as, as all martial artists tend to be. Um, <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we've got a couple of minutes left, since then. I just want to give, just maybe, throw it open to you. Is there anything that you'd like to sort of say to people listening? I'm um, um, I'm very lucky in the sense that people listening to this podcast, um, a number of countries, I'm very very lucky um, in North America, and Canada, Australia, New Zealand, and a couple of other places. Um, is there anything you'd like a message you'd like to put out there about um, martial arts training, or whether or not they can actually get hold of you?
1: Um, well, for martial art training, I mean, look around. Uh, if you're interested in that, try a class. Uh, go watch a class first. Doesn't matter what style. And, you, you know, if something fits right for you, give it a try. Um, there's, it's never too late to, to do it. I remember when I tested for my showdown when I was 14, my partner was 60. Wow. So it, it, it was, there's no limits to this. I mean, in, unlike certain sports, so most sports, there's limitations you know you can do it wherever but martial arts you can do it from the womb to the tomb you are going to enjoy that journey and if that journey is just on a physical one that's great but if you're dig deeper that's great um yeah with the, with the advent of, of modern technology that we have to be able to communicate with people across the world um don't be afraid to contact people like you did yeah. to contact people and reach out and say hey yeah. What's going on over there? What yeah. do you do? Hey, okay. list my phone. So I think that's amazing. Um, web pages, you read into that stuff, but contact an individual and see if you get the answer. Um, for me, if you, if you wanted to come train with me, I am in Upper Kings Clear, New Brunswick, Canada. Yeah. Um, I have a Facebook page called the Kobicon Martial Arts, a Kobicon Dojo. And I put a
0: link to uh, that,
1: guys, as well? <laughs> Cool. Thank you so much. Uh, I have an open door policy. I have a small dojo that's, you know, f- uh, fully equipped, matted. Um, the, the biggest thing here is to come through the doors of an open mind and, and uh, learn something new. I learn something new every time a new student comes through my door. And I, I, I've been doing this for, like I said, teaching for probably close to 30 years. Because I remember being an assistant instructor as a little kid and stuff like that. But in April, it'll be 40 years me training and learning martial arts. So that that uh, like, that'll be a lot of fun. Have a
0: big cake. That's amazing. That's amazing, sis. <laughs> Look, we're we we're we're, um, we're running out of time. I want you to stay on the line because I do want to continue this conversation. But I just want to take Absolutely. the opportunity to thank you. So this is uh She-Han Jeff McDonald. Uh although he doesn't like to be called Shihan, but that's actually oh. what he is. Uh Kururichinade, um, Harkido, Taekwondo, and a whole bunch of other things. You can reach him at G M dot That's K-O-B-U-K-A-N at Gmail com. He accepts all types of credit card. He will take cash know, okay. getting that I can. Um, just say, so, Sensei, thank you so much for taking the time. I'm looking, I'm going to get you back if you don't mind. Um, it's been That's illuminating. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing what you're doing, guys. I'll put a link to Sensei's Facebook page, his website. Um, he's doing some great stuff. And, and just best regards to your lovely wife, uh, Sensei, and of course to your students. Thank you so much for being on. Thank you very much, Sensei. Much appreciated. It's been a, a it's been a
1: blast. Look forward to next time.